Hey, it's your old pal Slim, and this is 70 Millimeter, finally a podcast about movies. Each week, I'm joined by famous artist Danny Haas <laughs> and writer, poet, Protolexis. I don't need popcorn. I don't need anything while I watch movies. Later in this episode, we're focusing on Penny Marshall's Riding in Cars with Boys. Enjoy! We dropped a special bonus episode this past week out of nowhere on uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And I just want to point out that the response to that episode has been tremendous through the roof. Danny's art. Is this Danny's greatest work so far on the podcast? Prado, what do you think? Uh, features one of the greatest characters <laughs> and the greatest designs of a character of all time, Darth Vader. So mm. how could it not be? Thank you. Uh, you know, I forgot to bring up uh, in that episode what was different about Vader in Empire than compared to Rogue One. Mm. Do you remember, like, what was the main difference in what was good about Vader in Empire versus what was bad about Vader in Rogue One, in your opinion? I couldn't remember. Uh, I, f I feel like he's more top-heavy in Rogue One <laughs> with the big dome. The, I think he's a little bit stockier. I wonder who played him in Rogue One. Like, we know David Prowse... James Earl Jones played him. Okay, here we go. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so it was a great episode. I highly recommend everyone check out. It's a shorter format. There's no voicemails. There's no intro segments. We get right into it. It was a fun episode, really enjoyable. And this episode, this is the one where everyone put their votes in. The ballots, the mail-in ballots were counted. Danny pulled a shocking pick mm. for this episode's topic for Penny Marshall directed movies. And that's riding in cars with boys, Drew Barrymore. Our former producer Ian brought to my attention that I may have, uh, baited people with a vote for a league of their own. Oh, wow. Did I do that? I want to put it past you. I, I think I said, I sounds like something you would do. <laughs> to win. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't feel like I did. I mean, it was one mm. of the movies that I wanted to talk about. Then I made the switch. I, I kind of feel bad about it. Now that you say that, looking back, I was so sure you're going to put League of Their Own as the pick that I slotted that in our spreadsheet of planned movies. I did see that. Yeah, mm. Prada was so not happy feel about bad. that. I kind of we're all bad convinced. Bad. Yeah, that, yeah. Just do the thing and then apologize for it after, and everything's okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? The mm -hmm. art of war. Uh, so that's our main feature presentation later in this episode. Next week, can I, I think we should rattle off some of the movies that we have planned for the next few weeks. No one's ready for this. You ain't ready for this. Uh, so let's just start with next week, Rosemary's Baby. Oh. I can't wait. God, the, I'm looking at the poster right now on Letterboxd. Unreal. Um, the week after that, Batman 1989, it's official, it's happening. It's happening. Proto, your thoughts on going through Batman 1989, Tim Burton, right now? I don't know if I should save it for the show or not. Well, it's probably mentioned before, but I have never seen Batman 89. Oh, God. He's finally said it. We so, knew all along. This is a big moment for me. He's finally admitting. Mm. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited now, though. After that, um, I should link to Danny's IG during this segment just because the art that you've been doing for that era. Are you kidding me? right now inspired oh my inspired. god that face where batman is like his his triple chin is showing you didn't do art mm. for that scene but he's like in the car Ke keaton's triple chin oh god <laughs> <laughs> he's hitting the brakes in the batmobile <laughs> kidding me some people call that the greatest christmas movie batman returns the movie after batman you re are you sitting down brendan mm. frazier's the mummy i couldn't tell you the last time i've seen this movie though brendan Oh could we God. get could we get him on? <gasps> I wish we, think we could. could. Should we start? We have a few weeks. Could we start some kind of campaign Is, for the villagers? Can we just pay cameo? <laughs> is he on that? <laughs> How much is a cameo for a podcast guest host job? <laughs> uh, hopefully, Brandon doesn't actually come on and then listen to this segment. 
as he's like preparing <laughs> right. and then pulls out at the last minute because of the cameo <laughs> joke. Then I'll just tease another episode right after that in the books. Very mm. topical. Jaws. Mm. That's just a taste of what we have in store. Maybe there's some more surprises coming. Who knows? Who knows? But we mentioned Letterboxd and every week we're on there. We're getting to get into it a little bit more. It's our favorite social media site. If you share the show on social media, uh, you're entered to win a year of Letterboxd Pro. And this week's winner, Chase Kiefer, mm. at Kiefer underscore draws on Twitter. I don't know if uh, you've seen his profile before, Danny, but this, this fellow is quite an artist. I saw a Yoda piece up there. Uh, I, I know Chase quite well. He's a good really? buddy of mine. So, um, yeah, he's a good artist. Great artist. Sorry. I'm glad he won. That Yoda was adorable. You did a Yoda recently as well. I did it today um, on Twitch live since, you know, Empire Strikes Back. Perto, did you watch any movies this past week? I did. I watched two movies. I watched The Rover starring oh, yeah. Guy Pierce and our boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Some people are saying he may be the greatest act, living actor of our time. Robert Pattinson. Uh, you know, I just saw The Lighthouse, loved him in The Lighthouse. So I've been trying to watch everything he's in. Watch this. He doesn't, he's not the the main character. Well, he's, I guess he's kind of uh, almost the main character. He's in most of the film. Um, but man, he is so good in this. This movie, it's, it's kind of like uh, uh, Mad Max Road Warrior. The first one, it's set mm-hmm. in Australia. They call it, there's a, a collapse that happened of the economy. So everyone's kind of fending for themselves. Um so uh, the movies, it's pretty good. It, it's not amazing, but uh, I enjoyed it enough to give it three stars. And Rob Pattison, you know, he just, he nails it. He's, it's, it's worth watching for him. And then I dipped back into the Warner Herzog mm. peel and watched uh, Nosferatu, <laughs> the vampire, uh, starring his boy, Klaus Kinski. Um, I mean... Another Herzog in the books. <laughs> if you like vampires, you might like it. I know some people really like this movie. It's yeah. I don't know. There's, I, there's something so weird about Herzog that I keep getting drawn in. I don't love his movies, but mm. there's something about them that I find compelling and I, and I keep watching them. So mm. we're in the middle of a proto Pattinson torrid love affair over yeah. the last mm. few months. It's a sight to yeah. behold. And you're as breaking news as a recording, the tenant trailer has come out. You've said publicly and privately that you might not watch the tenant trailer until you see the movie. Why is that? Well, you know, our, our producer, Dale, this is, you know, this is kind of his shtick. He doesn't watch trailers. And I kind of like that idea of going into a movie without any idea of what's going to happen. But of course me not watching a trailer for whatever it is, like another three, four months, this movie comes out. It's like me not eating chocolate for another three or four months. <laughs> so I usually, the, the moment a trailer goes live, I've already watched it. Like that's how, mm-hmm. how into it I am. I, I'm pressing play as it's, as it's live on YouTube. So me not watching a trailer, uh, that could be pretty hard, but it could happen. Well, well, what are your thoughts? You saw, you watched the trailer. I did watch it. I don't want to try to influence you at all though. I don't want to have give to me give a vibe. slim fluence. I don't want to slim fluence anyone. You know, that's a real, very real thing. I'm impenetrable. <laughs> <laughs> the reverse slim fluence. It's like, you know, crossing the streams. It's like when you put a mirror in front of a mirror, <laughs> no one knows what is going to happen oh at that point. Rob, I will say that Robert, Robbie, we call him on VHS Village mm-hmm. HQ. He looks fantastic. And he might be doing his, he's not American. Where's he, where's he from? Where's he from? <laughs> Dublin? Anyone know? England? He's got an accent in the trailer is what I'm trying to say. He has a head of hair that I would kill for. Mm. And uh, that's all I'll say about the trailer. Wow. My my and, wife, I was watching the Rover and she said some disparaging things about Robert Pattinson that I dare not repeat, but I was, I was horrified. Paraphrase. She said she, he gives, <laughs> basically she said he gives her Channing Tatum vibes. Not for me. 
And she said, <laughs> not for me. Is he like ripped in that movie or something? Is he dancing sexually? No. <laughs> no. No sexual dancing. I don't know. You know what? I kind. I think I just blocked out whatever the rest she was saying because I didn't want to hear it. <laughs> Turned to white noise. Wow. <laughs> oh so my Timothy word! I love you, Jenna. I love you. And Robert are standing next to each other. She's not touching Robert with a ten foot pole. No. <laughs> <laughs> She's not touching me. <laughs> <laughs> You're number three on that list. <laughs> Distant three. Uh, Danny, what did you watch this past week? Anything? Um, yeah. Yeah. I, um, I took, people kept talking about share month and we're still planning it out, you know? So I dipped into Moonstruck, the, um, the movie no one would shut up about. And so, uh, I actually loved it. I thought it was really good. I thought share was incredible in it. Um, and Nick Cage is, (laughs) he's Nick Cage in this movie. There's a, there's a scene where. Uh, have you guys seen it? No. no. Are you going to see it? Stay tuned. <laughs> there's just a, there's a couple scenes with Nick and uh, he's yelling and it's fantastic. And it's just exactly what you want from Nick Cage in every movie anyway. Uh, and he goes off the rails and it's, it's funny. It's a good story. Shares great in it. I, I gave it four and a half stars. I loved it. Holy it was good. Holy. And then um, I dipped into Wendy and it was a movie that um, I was really looking forward to. It's the retelling of the Peter Pan story um, Mm. from the Wendy sort of Wendy perspective, but it was kind of a modern take on it. Um, Casey and I were going to go see it before the shutdown happened. And I, I, I gave it three stars. It was good. Wasn't really vibing with it too well. I thought it was, it was okay. Was really kind of bummed out. I love all the Peter Pan stories and it's one of my favorite. I like all the retellings of it. And if you make it, I'm going to watch it. So I was really excited for this, mm-hmm. but I really wasn't feeling it. I didn't like it. It was like 45 minutes too long, kind of drawn out. But have I heard you say that the Peter Pan ride in Disney is the best mm-hmm. ride? Yeah. No, it's not the best. It's not the best ride. It's just my favorite ride. Mm. Sorry. I don't think I've ever had, I don't think I've ever been on that one. Mm. It's because you didn't want to wait in line. Two hour wait. Get out of here. <laughs> I don't know about that. And then uh, I I watched a movie that I hadn't seen ever. 1976 Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> this this review, this conversation, if I can preface it in our Slack, our paper keg Slack friendship, this set off mm-hmm. a firestorm, your review when you posted it in that Slack. Yeah. A gentleman that's a, a caller of ours, Mikey P, friend of the show. Uh, had said something that I had, I guess in the past I had said that Rocky was trash and he brought it up again. And I had actually, have never seen Rocky. I was just saying it probably just to piss him off. <laughs> so I got around to watching it and I actually, I wanted to like it and I gave it two and a half stars. It's, it's fine. I don't <laughs> like boxing. Stallone is Stallone in it. I just, I just not, it's not for me. It just really wasn't. The story didn't pay off. I hate that song so much. Wow. Uh, so, uh, do you not like to... Sylvester Stallone? No, I do like him. I love the Rambo movies, uh, and that's about it, actually. <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with Sylvester Stallone. There was just something I just didn't. I just didn't like it. It wasn't. It wasn't for me. You know, bro. Have you ever seen Rocky? He's sitting in Philly right now. Yeah, I'm required to see Rocky. Yeah, yeah I have. I, I don't have any it's in his blood. I don't have any like attachment to Rocky. Um, yeah, it's from what I remember. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's cool. It, it's cool that it's in Philly and I know the area and it, it in a very profound way, I think the reason people in Philadelphia connect with it, it does represent the city in some uh, amazing ways. Um, mm. Especially like with sports, I, you know, there's something about sports and how like, teams will have an identity based on cities and like every Philadelphia sports team has like this identity and Rocky kind of nails that. And so for that reason alone, I understand why people in the mm-hmm. area love it. The underdog. Yeah. The underdog. It's the just, working man. Yeah. It just, it just nails it. So um, I think that's why there's so much love for it, especially in this yeah. area. I mean, it, it won three Oscars. I can't, some people liked it. People loved it. I mean, so. I don't. I didn't really understand the blowback that you were getting 
for giving your two and a half stars after Mike EP himself gave it three stars. Yeah, I'm not according to Letterboxd. I'm not terribly sure. I think it's that Maybe review. We'll call in and let us know. That review you wrote? Listen, there is a there's a moment in this movie where he's talking through the door at um oh what's what's Adrian. the girl's name? Adrian. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. And he 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 stops every sentence. He ends every sentence by saying, "Yeah, no." And so uh, that's all I could think about. And it's all I heard him say the rest of the movie was ending every sentence with, you know. Mm. And so, yeah, I was just, I was just effing around with that. We have a large Philadelphia contingent of our VHS village villagers. We need to move on. Apologize now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. I am sorry. I'm sorry to all those I've hurt with my words. I, uh, yeah. Riding in cars with boys, Penny Marshall. Let's dig in. Danny's pick curveball. Mm. He pulled in his friends and then he pulled the rug out from under them with this pick. Like, Proto, what is this movie? Riding in cars with boys is the ruin that makes up a life. Bev is going to be a writer. She was going to be rich and live in a big house and all her dreams will come true. Then she rides in a car with Ray and that life is over. Bev has a new life with an unexpected son and a drug-addicted husband. Bev has hope with a new plan emerging after each previous one gets shattered by a day gone wrong. Bev writes a book about her life and the sum of it all, her plans and missteps, and how it all started with one ride. I think my favorite Drew Barrymore movie is The Wedding Singer with Adam Sandler. One of my all-time faves. Never seen it. I love, oh my God, I love that Don't movie. waste your time. <laughs> Don't waste your time. <laughs> I might have given that five stars on a recent rewatch. <laughs> Listen, anyone who is listening right now that also loves Wedding Singer, just know that I'm here with you during this. Don't call in. Uh... This is the first viewing for all of us. Is that a correct statement to make? Yeah, actually, I have Holy seen this. Cow. What? Yeah. <laughs> I saw this. Oh man, I might have saw this when it came out. Two thousand one. This movie with your from. sisters. Was this a uh, you and your sisters yeah, going to movies? This is my sisters and my mom. Uh, probably not in the movies. We probably saw this. Uh, probably a blockbuster rental. Mm. Um. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I thought it sounded familiar. And then as I was watching it, scenes were coming back. And I was like, oh, yeah, I have seen this movie. Yeah. The Little Women Double Feature Night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Extra buttered popcorn, pop secret. I don't Sponsoring need, <laughs> that night. I don't need popcorn when I watch movies. Gotta tell you. <sighs> wait, what? I don't need popcorn. Excuse I don't need anything when I watch movies. <laughs> you just sit what? with your hands on your knees and watch the movie? Yes. <laughs> like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will say that we recently I've been eating popcorn like it's been going out of style in the last two months at home it's like mm. a two snack so we went to Giant and they didn't have regular pop secret I had to get double butter which you know I'm thinking to myself like oh hell yeah double butter are you kidding me <laughs> so I've been using Invisalign for the last like couple months so after every meal I'm like alright I gotta go brush my teeth put my retainers back in the amount of butter on my, oh my teeth God. after eating double butter pop secret <laughs> is some of the most revolting things I've ever seen in that sink. Don't eat it. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, don't do it. Butter with popcorn. Uh, so I went in totally blind to this movie. I had no idea what the heck it was about, even though I think Danny said the description of the movie. And the fact that it started in the 60s, like the first like couple scenes, mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, what is going on in this movie? How old is Drew Barrymore right now? She has, you know, different eras of her life in this movie in the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s, and late 80s. And mm-hmm. I think they do a pretty good job of making her look these like varying ages. She's supposed to be 15 in the 60s in the first scene. What did you think? I actually did like it. I thought it, I I had a problem with it, really. And, and I think it's maybe because of her... Mm. It's not her acting ability. I think she's a fine actress. I there was something weird about her playing the 16-year-old self and then the 35-year-old self. Um, I don't know. I, it just kind of threw me off. I, I didn't, I didn't, it, it did, had a, didn't disconnect for me with the ages. Um, 
So I didn't, I didn't think it played off very well for me. Proto. I'm, I'm glad you uh, said that Danny. Cause I, I had a question for you, uh, a question out of love. You know, we, <laughs> we love to love here. We love to give opportunities to love film lovers. So I'm, I'm afraid, right? So now. I'm going to ask a question and then I'll allow you to respond and, ex- and express that love of however you feel. So that question is, is Drew Barrymore a bad actor? <laughs> let me pull up her movies. I think you might need to pull them up before Hold I on. answer All right, question. Let me, I think I'm already going to guide Danny a little bit. Second most popular movie on Letterboxd, Drew Barrymore, E.T. Well, okay. All right, so we have E.T. She we was have three Scream. in that movie. <laughs> Wait, I remember liking... Um, Never Been Kissed? Yes. I think I like that. Charlie's <laughs> Angels. Yeah, of course I like that. Batman Forever. Ever after. The Wedding Wait, Singer. Who is she in Batman and Forever? She plays one of the female like henchwomen for Riddler and oh. Two-Face. Yeah, no, she's a perfect actress. <laughs> uh, Freddie Got Fingered. I know producer Dale is a huge fan of that movie. I don't think she's bad, okay? Ever I don't think after. she's bad at all. Firestarter. Fever Pitch. Proto, do you want to answer that? question i feel like you have an answer that you wanted me to say no i'm just for you i already told you why i asked the question (laughs) but the reason i'm asking is there there was some scenes in this movie where she needed to convey a high level of emotion Mm -hmm. either through crying or laughing yes and uh it was pretty bad when uh i finished watching it with casey I said to her, she said she liked it. And and I said, how is Drew Barrymore the worst part of this movie? Mm. I felt like she just, she's not bad, but there are so many heavy, this is like a heavy story that she's trying to carry on her shoulders this whole movie. And there are moments where I didn't get the emotion from her. Now, Steve Zahn oh. is amazing in this movie to me i feel like he goes from uh the you know the the dumb kid in school to the you know drugged out ex-father or ex-husband ex-father of this kid and he actually his dimension of his the what he played in this movie was perfect i thought i thought steve was amazing but him and drew together it made drew look worse to me with how well steve was doing in this movie I'd agree with that. Mm. I, I mean, I love Drew Barrymore. I think mm-hmm. she's a total sweetheart. And she, there was a, a tone in this movie. It, a lot of it was like very lighthearted and funny. And I think she really nailed those parts. But the parts where they were the, the dramatic parts where there was a lot of emotion needed, they kind of fell flat for me. So that's the only reason I brought it up because I, that's <laughs> that, that's the, the vibe that I got mm-hmm. from it. It kind of took me out of it in those in those moments. One of my notes is just uh, Drew's crying is some of the worst I've seen. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a problem with Drew. I think, and also, was she trying to have an accent in this movie? Sometimes. Sometimes. Right? I just, <laughs> it was like on and off and it just wasn't good when it was on. I don't know. There was a lot of stuff with her that bugged me um, because it's, I actually really love the story. Um I like the heaviness of the story and I very heavy story. Yeah. You mentioned the weight that drew needed to carry Yeah, because the movie starts, uh, out. And I mean, the, the crux of the movie follows young drew kind of dreaming of being a writer. And then one fateful night she gets turned down by this hunk and Steve Zahn's character is there and they meet for the first time and she, they, he defends her and they have kind of like a one night stand and she gets pregnant and derails her, maybe not derails, but sets the course for her entire life at that stage. Right. Her father who previously they've had an amazing relationship, uh, really just verbally destroys her. I was going to work hard, raise a good family, hold my head up proud. That plan's dead. You know what else I thought? No. No, I better not. Go ahead, Pop. Say whatever you want. 
special. And you ruined your life. And you broke my heart. And because of her decision, their their relationship is forever changed. She has the child and is forced to kind of marry Steve Zahn. They have a miserable life. The son, uh, who is Oscar-worthy performance by this young boy, and they they live together. They have a terrible existence. It's a really just kind of crappy life that they have for themselves. She's miserable. Steve Zahn's an addict, and she always tries to get out. And over the course of this story, there's kind of like a, mo- a present-day thread where they come to present day Drew Barrymore and her son driving in a car. You don't really know where they're going, but they're kind of arguing the whole way. And as the story progresses, you see the kind of pitfalls that this family hits over the years. And then it coalesces at the end where hopefully they realize, you know, the error of their ways and they come together. So that's kind of like, the weight that drew needed to carry this movie with. And I'll agree the heavy stuff was not very good by drew. Like if you had, I don't know, a different actress, Mm -hmm. like you're conveying a woman that really just almost hates her life and is really resentful. And it didn't make me feel for her that much. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I I felt, I felt the same way. What I like about that though, is it, it, it does kind of show that people, not everybody has like redeeming moments. Um, it might not be presented that way. Yeah. Cause it goes through the whole movie. And then even at the end with her son, she's still like really nasty to him and says like some really hurtful things and it, it doesn't really get resolved, but it's to me, it's kind of showing that this is who she is and she might not necessarily be able to change that. And uh, the ending scene of just how, um, her, the, the final scene is, is her and her father and her father is kind of a, a similar, a similar, uh, character in that way. And that he never really forgives her. He treats her a certain way throughout the whole, her whole life. And she kind of acts a certain way, but they have this really beautiful moment where they almost kind of are accepting each other for who they yeah. are. Uh, so I guess that's kind of what I took out of it, but yeah, throughout the whole movie, you're just kind of like, man, you're not you're not embracing where you find yourself in life at all in any moment. Yeah. And I, I while I was watching it, it felt like, um, very non cinematic about how this family was like, this is a very real representation of, um, you know, a pregnancy that wasn't planned and what can potentially come from that and how families really struggle and that one was what I wasn't expecting. Like Steve Zahn just like failing over and over again and Drew not really being prepared for that. Um, there's a lot of great lines in the movie though that I really did enjoy. And a couple of times I wrote that like they, they all just need marital therapy like ASAP. Like this, we could, the movie could have been over years ago if they had just <laughs> gone into joint therapy. Uh, even with the son, like family mm. therapy. I mean, cause that son she writes this memoir about her life and about everything. And the son is just as impacted through this entire thing. The son having to deal with the family fighting all the time. Um, I mean, the one scene where he falls into the water of that pool in the winter. And I wrote it down somewhere um, where she... There's just so many scenes where she's not paying attention to him whatsoever. She's focused Mm -hmm. on other things, but that's like real. Like there are mothers that do that and they don't like focus and dawdle over the child for whatever reason. And he falls into this pool. She runs over, freaks out and pulls him out. And she like has this like moment where she's like, I'm such a terrible mother. And the boy who's getting pulled out of the water under his breath is like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That was so good. (laughs) That was such a great scene. Um, but the, my favorite line of the whole movie is a few years later. Neither do I. I go to night school. And when you work a double shift, I have to use the spare time to sleep and wash the sweat off. Okay, We're supposed to be a team, right? No, you're supposed to be the mother and I'm supposed to be the kid. And it was just like mm. one of those deep 
scenes where for a kid to realize that mm. that's like a really heavy scene and just felt like terrible for this family. A lot of the movie. Yeah. That scene, I think, I think it's the scene where uh, lizard gives them that TV mm. and they're going tit for tat on what they have and what they don't have as a kid and as a mom and she's working her night shifts. And that was a powerful scene. I thought, I mean, I thought she did great in that scene. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of moments in this movie that so many families can relate to of uh, just like having, you know, a kid out of wedlock or getting arrested, just all kinds of different stuff that you either like you did it or someone in your family did it and you can kind of know about it. Um, one thing I liked that they did in this movie is that often when you have like a, a terrible experience like that or not terrible, but it's just like, you know, you did something bad when you, you can look back at it often and like laugh about it um, in some cases but I think what they did in this movie is that they kind of, uh, they would, during the moment, they would uh, have funny moments. There would be ways mm-hmm. to laugh about it, almost so that like the viewer, if you're a viewer who has experienced it and you look back on it with maybe like a lightheartedness, just be like, oh yeah, I was a screw up. You're watching it happen and you can like almost laugh about it as you watch it. So it had like, Mm. to me, it had like almost like a a very lighthearted tone while heavy things were happening. The the scene that comes to mind is the one where um, uh, Bev is with her best friend, Faye. And Faye Mm. is like, you have to tell your parents that you're pregnant. You have to tell them. So just practice on me. Pretend I'm your parents and say, you know, say what you would say. So Bev says it and then Faye goes off. My daughter's a tramp. My daughter's a tramp. My daughter's a tramp. You're 15 years old. How can you do this to me? You make me sick to my stomach. Why don't you just take my gun? Take my gun and shoot me in the head with the tramp. I wish that you were never born. (laughs) That was so good. Yeah, it's it's hilarious, but she's yelling at her like, we're going (laughs) to disown you. How could you do this? You ruined your life. And like Bev is like mortified and breaking down. My and like, daughter's a tramp. Yeah, my my daughter's, daughter's a tramp. A tramp. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we didn't mention Brittany Murphy. I thought yeah, she Brittany, was great. She in was fantastic. Movie. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's uh, when she does her um, speech for um, Bev at her wedding, because no one will recognize her. And after, right after that, Oh my gosh, that terrible speech that her father gives. Oh, God. Uh, when it was all about him and oh, I was, it was heartbreaking to watch it happen. Yeah. I wrote that line down. He says, I was going to work hard, raise a family, hold my head up high. That plan's dead. Oh, oh God, yeah. When dude. he's at the dinner table. Oh Just my God. Really, oh yeah. That's really at the dinner terrible. table. Really yeah, terrible. That was rough. Yeah. But that, and then when she gives her speech, I, I love Brittany Murphy in this. I miss her. I'm not sure how I felt about James Woods in this movie. I don't know if I would have preferred a different character or just this, the, the lines that he had, you know, I just didn't feel connected with his performance. It just felt kind of there. I don't know how else to describe it, but there's a scene towards the end where she realizes that she had done to her father, what Jason had done to her or, you know, their relationships are just very similar. That was an amazing scene where the camera just like focused on her realizing this for 30 seconds. Um, but I don't know. I just, I wanted more from their relationship. I wanted more of a concrete resolution. Um, and I know that's, that doesn't, that's not life. Like not every father daughter relationship that has that kind of tough upbringing and relationship doesn't just like have this really thorough resolution, but I don't know. What did you guys think about the end of the movie where the two of them are back together again and, and they just kind of sing that song together? I don't not. It just felt unfinished a little bit. They they just do a big jump when it comes from where we last see uh, Jason to, and then when Jason's older. I mean, they have jumped back and forth earlier, but when we see young Jason again, there's such a big gap that um, I don't know. It just makes me wonder what relationship situations took place between the last time we see Jason to present day Jason mm-hmm. with her father, with her and her father. And so it was just kind of, I don't know. I didn't really like it too much. It, it was okay. Yeah, this it, it focuses more on Bev's life, where it and maybe that's the the book it's based on is about her life. 
But as a movie, maybe it should have focused more on the relationship of her and her son. Like I would have been, I would have liked to see more of how that developed um, because it's kind of always focused on Bev. Uh, but at the end of the movie, it's, it's really very focused on their relationship together and kind of mm-hmm. how, like how he's coming out of this um, having, you know, had her as a mother through all, all of it. So I think I would have liked to see it more focused on that. It kind of makes me interested to read the book. I mean, they still mm. have years of work. Like they have oh, one gosh. conversation where <laughs> they're like grinning and happy, but like, it's, this is a long journey for everyone involved. Like this, you're not back to where you dreamed it would be. They have so many issues to deal with that it's not, it's like not even funny. I guess it was meant this way, but when the movie started, present day versions of Drew and her son are in the car. And am I the only one that thought that they were together in this, to start no, this movie? That was on purpose, right? It was definitely on purpose. Yeah. I watched this twice thinking I missed something the first time that, that was mother and son, but I, they really played it up like they were together, like a couple. Yeah. I guess there's only really 15 year difference. So it wasn't too outlandish. Right. It wasn't hard to do. How about when he goes to make the phone call to his girlfriend and he, the, there are two girls outside of the gas station <laughs> and they're gawking at him uh, about how hot he is. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's, that's like a scene out of an eighties flick. That was so funny to see that. Yeah. It was silly. He's not hot, girls. Like, wake up. Raise your standards. It's so, it's so funny, too. The first time I watched this, I, when he, even when he said, no, that's my mom. I was just like, he's just making fun of his girlfriend. That's what I thought, She's too. bossing around. <laughs> I didn't really put two and two together that it was actual mom. Yeah, there was a lot of funny scenes to start the movie. Like, remember when Britney's character tells her, or not tells her that like pregnant, some pregnant people like f- quote fall down the stairs. Mm. So oh Drew was like thinking about pushing herself down the <laughs> stairs, but couldn't go stairs. through with it. That was a really funny scene. It was funny was when they were in the car and that the, the, uh, the jujitsu that Faye was doing in the back seat where her feet were <laughs> flying up and hitting Bev in the head. I was like, what are they doing back there? That was, that was pretty funny. Where um, Faye is making out with Dennis and she's using her legs to block the door from going <laughs> oh, yeah, in. That was good. Every time they cut back, she was in a different pose, like blocking the door frame. Uh-huh. It was so funny. Later in the movie, they have plans to leave town to go to another city and they're saving up money. And Steve Zahn is supposed to go out and get like children's aspirin or something. And her parents call her the next morning and say like, something's wrong with Steve. You got to come over here. Well, not Steve, whatever his name is. <laughs> um, so they're in the basement and her dad, James Woods, is there with Steve's on. And he wrote a letter to essentially tell her that he's like addicted to heroin and he spent all their money. And I, the whole scene, I thought that this was a ploy from James Woods to get her to stay in the city. I didn't even mm-hmm. see a, a Steve's on heroin story coming. Uh, when it came into it, I assume it felt like uh, the dad found out about California and was trying to derail the situation with with uh, Ray. Mm. That's what I thought until he started going through until the withdrawal. Fetal like, position oh, on the yeah. bed. I wasn't ready for watching that. He doesn't look like a heroin addict. He just looks like goofy Steve's on with long hair. Yeah, I that's mean, true. With, when they show him in the future, though, yeah, then Rosie Perez, then addict. he looked like a heroin addict. <laughs> But there, when it cuts to, I guess, their son is maybe five or six. And Steve Zahn has the most beautiful head of hair with this <laughs> amazing mustache. When they're throwing rocks at those cans on top of the mailboxes. Oh, my God. I gasped yeah. when I first saw him. <laughs> did on you start screen. tearing up when you saw him on screen? I did. I did. <laughs> Have you ever had long hair like that? Did you envision yourself growing it out and having a mustache? I've always wanted to have long hair. I've just never been able to pass past that threshold of like past the years, you know? Oh my God. Is this happening? Am I doing this? <laughs> so I have a question, uh, towards, cause we're in that kind of scene where, uh, she asks him to leave and he has to come in and gives that amazing performance with their son. Oh, um, when he shows him, so he, this is random. Cause I've, I just thought of it. He gives him the tooth under the pillow, right? And does he give the tooth back at the end of the movie? 
When he gives the wadded up signed contract, Jason pulls out what looks to be a tooth. Yeah. I was, I, and I was know wondering that if was. that was the tooth from the, under the pillow. I think that makes sense because I noticed the scene of him pulling something out of that note. Hmm. Right. That, that makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> so confused by it. And Very why strange how Ray kept up with a tooth for 15 years. No one can, however long, no one can understand the mind of a heroin addict. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also thought it was strange that the end of the movie didn't really yeah. have a resolution for Jason. Like he just like goes off screen to go visit the girlfriend. And that was it. Like I was, I was expecting another scene or something like, I don't know, like next Christmas, you know, maybe <laughs> the whole family's together and they're like celebrating, but it didn't really happen. Yeah. It's that longing for when you see these broken characters that you want a happy ending. I think that's a part of it too. Mm-hmm. Like you want to see Jason. Okay. Uh, yeah. I want to see Tim or not uh, Steve. I want to see his character. Okay. Steve's dead. He's dead. He's definitely so dead. dead. <laughs> well, with Jason, they kind of leave the leave it open to maybe he his plans don't go the way he intended because he had this plan that he was going to move with his girlfriend and then his mom convinced him out of it, you know, mm-hmm. he yeah. says. Yeah. And it's like, "Oh, Jason, don't do, don't listen to your mom. Like just, you know, do what you wanted to do or else you're going to mm-hmm. get stuck and history's going to repeat itself." So they kind of left it open. Let him run away with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Very young Maggie Gyllenhaal. I wrote down a few lines when Drew says, I have no one to her, her young son. I was just like, man, oh my F gosh. you, Drew. <laughs> F you. Like you are warping this poor boy. So many oh. scenes like that where I just want to slap her around. Steve Zahn is the best looking heroin addict I've ever seen. <laughs> um, man, she effed up so bad by having sex with this loser. Um... When Steve's on, I think Brittany Murphy's boyfriend is like in the military and about to go to war or something. Mm-hmm, Dennis. And during the wedding and he yells something out. And I think Steve's on's character is like, save it for the Vietnamese, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a strange line. I was cracking up. Oh, I thought during the wedding, cause Faye announces during the wedding, during her speech that she's also pregnant. Yeah. And I was thinking, did she get pregnant? to be pregnant with her friend and do this to her life as well. Oh, That's what I was God. thinking, but they don't, they don't let on that. It just seemed like, Oh, that, you know, they were just mm-hmm. together and it happened. I thought she was making it up just to divert shame mm-hmm. from drew during the wedding, to be honest. And then it was turned out to be real. There was a beautiful shot. Do you remember when early in the movie, I think she, when she, they go off to like make out in the same car by that waterfall. Yeah. What the heck kind of waterfall was that? I want to go to yeah, that for real. Just hang out. Like maybe open up a tent somewhere in Connecticut. Are we going to Connecticut to do a uh, anniversary <laughs> riding in cars with boys episode? Oh man. What's Drew's cameo fee right now? Can we get her on <laughs> recording in tents with 70 millimeter? <laughs> <laughs> if I were to give a rating, I think the sun and some of the writing between the mother and the son um, were really special in this movie. So I'd probably give it three stars myself. Mm. Uh, I'm a three star as well. This is, it's a fun movie. I don't think it's fantastic, but it has some really heartwarming real, real life moments. Uh, it's well-written. I'm kind of interested in reading the book it's based on. Um, good watch. Mm. Yeah. I'm glad I picked it. Um, it was, I think it was Penny Marshall's last movie she directed before she died. Uh, so, I think it's kind of fitting. I think for me as well, I think I'm a three star. I, I really loved the story. I liked the realism to how it was portrayed. And I really loved all the supporting actors and actresses in this movie. I think Drew was fine in a lot of it. Uh, but I think for me, if if Drew would have nailed this movie, it's it could have been a four to five star movie. But as it stands, it's a it's a three star movie for me. Proto, if you, I'm not sure if you know off the top of your head, but if you were to have won the voting, mm. if Sally Potter were to have won the vote, what movie, if you're, are you ready to reveal right now the movie you would have picked for us to watch? I have nothing to hide. I would have picked Orlando starring wow. Tilda Swinton. Uh, yeah, this movie, I think you mentioned the cover of this. 
when we were first, uh, when we announced the uh, voting, um, yeah, this mm-hmm. movie seemed really compelling. I'd never heard about, heard of it. It had been nominated for some Oscars. It's from 1992. So that would have been my pick. I was intrigued by that film. Not too bad you lost. <laughs> <laughs> too bad. Too Matt, who bad. would you pick for Amy Heckerling? Uh, God, she had a great library of movies. I probably would have gone with Fast Times at Ridgemont High because mm. no, I don't think I've ever seen that movie. But would have been real tough. I would have loved for us to watch Look Who's Talking. Like, oh I, that would have been gosh. so much fun. Uh, Clueless also would have been a lot of fun too. She was Euro Vacation too, right? She did. Yeah, she did European Vacation. Oh, so a lot of Look, lot kids, of potential movies. <laughs> Chevy on point during that. Movie. So on point in that movie. We need to get into some voicemails next week. Just a reminder: Rosemary's Baby. One of the all-time horror movies. Very excited to rewatch. This is our first horror? That's what people are saying. That's what the buzz is online. What's your favorite horror movie, Proto? Favorite horror movie? Um, Don't say Midsummer. That's not a horror movie. Is Signs a horror movie? Oh, God, I love Signs. Signs is so good. I, I love is it? Signs. I love I think Signs. So. Yeah, that's a horror movie. That's got some jump scenes in it. I love Signs. Uh, I also, <laughs> I love The Others, starring uh, Nicole Kidman. Never seen that. Never seen it. What's yours, Matt? What's your favorite horror? It's probably toss-up between The Conjuring and The Babadook. Oh, my word. I think I watched those back-to-back because of your recos. <sighs> Did you rate The Conjuring? I had to have. That's an amazing I don't movie. remember you watching The Conjuring, I don't think. Oh, it's terrifying as hell. God, I love The Conjuring. Yeah, that was a scary movie. 267-409-6983. Or if you want to send us a letter or an audio file, you can do so at 70mmpod at gmail.com. Hey guys, it's Melissa. Um, calling because a couple of reasons. Um, <laughs> one, I am excited you guys are doing Riding in Cars with Boys. I've never seen it, and Chuck has never seen it, so we're going to watch it. Um, and also, I love Brittany Murphy, especially mm-hmm. as Luann Platter in King of the Hill. She's amazing. <laughs> oh, my um, gosh. And two, I just wanted to call and say that I really loved your Do the Right Thing episode. I thought it was really good. I love that movie so much, and you guys really did it justice i also wanted to say that to keep talking about spike lee uh when chuck and i first started dating back in 2008 i think he showed me a bunch of movies that ended up being like some of my the most like some of the most influential movies on my work as a cartoonist um And one of those movies was Crooklyn, um, which is a Spike Lee joint, as they call mm-hmm. it. Oh, God, that sounded lame. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but Crooklyn is um, one of my all-time favorite movies. It's loosely autobiographical. Um, and the main character, Troy, is... A girl growing up in Brooklyn, like similar atmosphere to Do the Right Thing, uh, but it's like centered around her family and her mom is played by Alfre Woodard and her dad is uh, Delroy Lindo and they're both like just absolutely fucking incredible and Troy, the main character, is I think one of the best characters in any movie ever. Um, Oh, wow. She and her brothers are hilarious. But anyway, so a lot, like my work is a lot about um, turning my own personal stories and like memories of being a kid into like fictionalized stories. And that's Mm. um, what Spike Lee does in this movie. And that's why it means so much to me. And if you guys ended up doing another Spike Lee movie, as I heard you might do if I keep leaving you voicemails, <laughs> then you should watch Crooklyn. 
because it's real good. Yeah, I think that's it. Thanks for the show. You guys are great. Bye. Is Melissa at the number one villager right now? Is she employee of the I month? I think she is. She's employee of the month. Thank you, <laughs> Melissa. Melissa and I bonded on Instagram real quick this week. She posted, there was like a, one of those Instagram things where it's like, what's your first movie you ever remember? And mine and Melissa's were the same. We both remember seeing Beauty and the Beast was our first movie. Wow. You can, um, Melissa was referencing some of her work, which I support on her Patreon. She produces The Weight, which is one of her Patreon creations and Freddie. So I get a nice little mini comic of Freddie every month. And um, I'll have a link to her Patreon in the show notes or the chapter notes. Should we talk about in the past whether or not Proto has done another IG Live devoted to Share Month? Is that a thing that has taken place? Uh, the exploratory committee is on hold <laughs> until wow the um, until uh, what do you call us uh, until Dale gets back to me on next <laughs> Share Month. Um, pivoting, I am looking at the cover of. Crooklyn right now. Wowzer. Yeah. Oh. The 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 vibrancy and colors mm. of this. Man, if if Spike Lee does anything right, he does color yeah. right. I did say to Chuck of Batten Spider Fame, which a podcast you should download ASAP Dale, producer Dale is a co host of that show. I said there there could be a Spike Lee bonus episode in the future if we hear from Melissa over the next few weeks. So we'll see. You know? Could be that movie. Could be a bonus episode. Hey boys, H here. Thanks for the pod. Really enjoyed your discussion of Do the Right Thing. Uh, but I need to set the record straight, clear my good name with Catcher. I never said I didn't finish The Prestige. I said I felt like I wanted more. That's why I watch Prisoners. So here's the abbreviated review. Can a thriller mystery movie work if you already know the twist before you start the movie? That's what I wanted to find out, since I already knew how the magic trick was accomplished going in. It made watching at turns frustrating uh, and fun uh, as I watched for little subtle clues the whole time. So that wasn't the problem. Uh, it was beautifully shot by Nolan. Incredible performances by Michael Caine, Hugh Jackman, Bale. I was kind of surprised that Nolan never turned uh, to Jackman in his Batman flicks. Scar Joe was great. Uh, and my notes just say, the pressure keeps building and I don't trust anyone, which was the real pleasure of the movie, just the tension. There are plans within plans and betrayals inside betrayals, and I love the idea of using turn-of-the-century magic uh, as a backdrop for this battle instead of a typical superhero uh, setting. But ultimately, I found the resolution difficult to stomach uh, because it completely subverted my expectations of who I was rooting for, um, and I was really, really turned off by the use of a modern Radiohead song on the opening credits or closing credits. I was just <laughs> nuts. Um, ultimately, I enjoyed this film but wasn't totally blown away. Three and a half stars. Wow. Goodness. People feuding in our voicemails right now? There's a, yeah, there's turmoil between villagers on the voicemail system. What was the other magician movie that came out the same time as Prestige with Ed Norton? The Illusionist. <laughs> Illusionist. Oh. Uh, you knew that stupid. right away. Do you have an opinion? Uh, you know, I've seen it, but I, I can't, I can't remember either <laughs> movies. Which, which, yeah, which Prestige one? Prestige or Illusionist. I don't know. I remember Christian Bale was in the prestige and I remember the twist. That's about it. Who would Jackman have yeah, been? I think the illusionist, I think I was disappointed with the illusionist. Cause I think it was, it, it was much more about there being real magic in the world. If I remember correctly. And that's like an element of the story. I just remember mm. not being, are you trying to tell, are you trying to tell me right now? You don't believe in magic. Are you telling us right now? Um, no, I'm not going to say that. I I am very hopeful. Open your mind to the supernatural is what you need to do. I believe in the chance of the existence of magic. You, little known fact, you know, last year, the three of us oh. and a, a select group of other friends went to a cemetery in the middle of the night to try to connect with the beyond. We connected. We have audio proof that we did that. We've reviewed it. <laughs> I just want to share with the people that that's how deep this relationship goes. We try to connect with what else is out there. Who would Jackman have played in the Batman series with Nolan? Harvey Dent. What character? No. I'm the Batman. Arrest me. <laughs> okay. Okay. We're not going down this road. I don't want to go. have been a great cobble pot. <laughs> Do you remember Ooh. how amazing the trailer was? The first teaser trailer was to the Dark Knight when it was just the Joker's voice and Batman's voice. And that was like all it was. 
Mm. I'm afraid to talk about these movies with you, Matt. Not going to lie. I remember. Well, how about just being in the theater where it starts up on the skyscrapers? <sighs> you just know you're, you're Plus Batman begins it. ends with the teaser that the Joker is going to be in the next movie. Remember oh, he, he looks at that, that calling card. card. Oh, he leaves so his good. calling card. That was the best part of the movie. And Batman's wearing these like black rubber gloves that he uses to wash the dishes and he flips over the card. Goofy look. Swear to God. Listen, I love the Dark Knight. Dark Knight was amazing when I first saw it. What about when you saw it the second time? We got to move on. We got another voicemail to get to. Hello, this is Dirk. Dirk Feelgood calling in to 70mm pod. How are you guys doing? Are you all right? I'm doing good. I watched a film recently called Midsummer. Have you heard of it? <laughs> well, I know you have because you've rated it on Letterboxd. Uh, Danny, you gave it four and a half. Proto, you gave it five stars. And I really must agree um, with other people's lower rating of this film because it is so boring, isn't it? Oh, two and a half hours long. It's like the end sequence of Return of the King over and over and over <laughs> again. And it reminded me of a, when I was at university and me and my housemate Howard went to HMV just as DVDs were becoming a thing and they were selling off all their VHS videos five for £20. And we bought so many VHS videos that day mm. that we were giddy as kippers and I went to an all-you-can-eat fish and chip restaurant afterwards. But when we got home and unloaded all the VHS videos in the front room, I was quite overwhelmed by how many we'd bought. And I made the decision to colour code each of them based on their running length. So one hour 30 or less, one hour 45, one hour uh, two hours or over two hours. And in the subsequent years at university, any film that was over one hour 45 was not even watched. And imagine if I'd had Midsummer on VHS video back then. I would never have even seen it. And how much better off would my life be? Wow, Dirk oh does it gosh. again. Proto, respond, please. I'm sorry you feel that way. Dirk, maybe you should stick to Trolls and uh, Frozen 2. Kippa. Proto bringing the heat. Also, did he kind of say that he didn't like The Return of the King? I heard a lot of Return of the King bashing in that voice. He said he hated Return of the King, and we need to bring that up Can in the Slack. Can you imagine someone hating anything from J.R.R. <laughs> Tolkien? I, I think he was saying that he did, he liked the first ending, but he didn't like the five endings after the first mm. Gotcha, I gotcha. That so could he also it. be true. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk about it in Slack. We do have one other one coming in here. Um, yes, this is Ahsoka fan 1970, and I'm calling because in your recent bonus episode, The Empire Strikes Back, Protolexis mistakenly stated that the bounty hunters were introduced in this movie when, in fact, it is well known that the OG bad boy bounty hunter Boba Fett was introduced as part of the 1978 Star Wars holiday special. He had his own animated segment where he fought Luke Skywalker. Hopefully this clears up any confusion people may have experienced and may the force be with you. Unreal. Wait a second. Isn't um Oh, here we go. Isn't that Isn't that voicemail even wrong though because isn't Greedo a bounty hunter mm. and he's in a new hope. That's true. So, but I wasn't, I so I, I guess I, I misspoke. What I was talking about was like the connection between that Vader would bring in these bounty hunters. Bro, don't defend. Uh, I've never seen that. Don't defend yourself to a Soka fan. You don't have you don't to have, defend yourself. We're, we're here, here you. with you. Proto. We have your back. No, yeah. Yeah. I'm here for you. No, I, I, I love getting new information. I've actually never seen the Christmas special. I don't think. So, holiday special, holiday special, whatever. <laughs> don't want, don't whatever me. <laughs> Is that the first appearance of Boba Fett too in animated form? Correct. Can we get anyone? Can we get Ahsoka fan to, to verify that for us? I just verified it. <laughs> Was that you, Danny, who called in your own show? Oh <laughs> uh, boy, what a show! Next week is a huge one. Rosemary's Baby, and then the week after that is what did i say was the week after that it's something big that's all i know me is it no batman 1989 batman, the batman 89 the batman the real batman movie cool. starring michael keaton in just two weeks i'm so excited it's proto's first watch i'm so excited it. this makes me so happy am i going to buy the blu-ray of batman 1989 with that crappy white art on no, that box please don't and Find then the VHS I'll of it. print 
my oh my god the vhs remember the was it mcdonald's or coca-cola batman commercials that were playing with the batmobile zipping through you remember the leaves pumping up oh mama what was that had to have been coke am i getting a coke right now <laughs> oh you, i had a batmobile uh from a, a really Happy meal do you still have it yeah <laughs> I don't, I don't okay. keep anything. We got to get into some <laughs> Apex Legends. Thanks everyone for watching. Oh. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. Uh, it helps spread the word of the show. And uh, check the links in our show notes and chapters to support uh, the friends of the show. Goodbye. Seventy millimeter is a VHS Village production and produced by Dale underscore A. Sponsored by Half Double Design. Original artwork provided by Danny Haas. Spiritual guidance provided by Protolexis. This episode was mixed and edited by me, Slim. Special thanks to the good people at Letterboxd and for a chance to win a pro Letterboxd account. Share the show and tag us on social media at 70mmpod. Goodbye.